0: Father in heaven, thank you that you're willing to teach us, that you're willing to give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And we sure need that, and we ask that you would teach us this afternoon. Thank you. Amen. Okay, we had a question right here about um, raised beds on concrete. Okay, if you can go to this page in your handouts, okay? Now, I've got some raised beds on concrete. Uh, and when we do that, I like that, because there's no gophers that can come through the concrete. Uh, but you have to have enough soil. So if you if you uh, are doing that, I would suggest you have at least 18 inches above. Uh, at least 18 inches of soil, and then you will get some good produce there. You're you're still not gonna get 100 pounds of tomatoes because a tomato plant can go down 10 feet there in the ground. Yes, Uh, how is that gonna drain? Okay, Uh, how I do it, uh, mine are about this high and in the bottom of that bed, uh, I have a layer of gravel. Okay, and so they can drain through that and, and then out onto the concrete. Uh, otherwise you may have a problem of too much water buildup there but this is just the opposite <coughs> um, you have to make sure in the summertime when it's hot and dry you have to make sure that it that it is watered yeah there okay let's go through this the first thing on here is planning by the blueprint the ebook this is a uh, a book uh, that um, Basically covers what we're covering today, and there are a lot of color photos in this. Um, and at this point, it's an ebook. We're we're reworking it so that it will be a bound book. There, that's not available today, so I we won't take your money for a bound book today. Uh, you can you can put down that you want it when it's available, but you can get the ebook uh, for fifteen dollars. Um, the planting by the work, by the blueprint workbook. Uh, the bound copy is fifty dollars. Um, open the soil. Uh, some of you have this already. This is one of Ellen White's. This is a compilation of Ellen White's uh, writings on agriculture. A great book to have. Uh, so I go through my copy. I've got it all underlined, and seems like on every page they're just great. Uh, material, great promises um, for us there. There's also a couple other books that have been written. John Dysinger has one, Um, and uh, then there's one called Green Print that uh, David Obermiller put together, and they're all good and they're all different. Uh, Anyway, I use all three of them. This is the only one I carry. That's that's a $16 book and it's available out there if you want it. Okay, (coughs) Uh, there's a DVD on uh, tree planting. This is one that was made a few years ago, um, Planting by the Blueprint. And uh, if you have this already, uh, great. If you don't have it, you can, you can get it. Uh, you can watch this on the internet for free. You can just watch it. If you, if you want it, it is a $20 DVD. It's about an hour long there. There are some changes between this, um, between what we do now and when this was made. So, if you have this or you look at this on the on the internet, uh, make sure that you get the update to this. What you'll find is that some things disagree. Uh, So, use the update with the things. If they disagree, go with the update. It's just two pages of um, printed material. Because of changes in agriculture uh, and new things that we've learned, uh, an update was was necessary. Just one, just as an example, uh, when this was made, I was saying use use cottonseed meal. We do not use cottonseed meal anymore. Cottonseed is cotton has been genetically modified. Um, that wasn't the case back here. It was the cottonseed was really kind of a waste product, and. The seed is very high in nitrogen and other nutrients. Do not use anything that is genetically modified. Uh, Besides that, because cotton is a food that we, uh, a plant where we don't eat it, um, there are lots of poisons put out on cotton. And so you don't want that at all. Another thing is, just as an example, uh, we used to say take the, uh, the, the air pipe uh, see, we want air in the ground, and so when you see that, uh, we'll cover this more tomorrow <coughs> on the, in tree planting, but when you put that air pipe down in the ground, we used to say put it in the bottom of the ground, bottom that hole. You dig this deep, hole and you put it in the bottom. What we find <coughs> is that that layer of rock we put in there, uh, is a dividing between the aerobic and the anaerobic uh, bacteria there. And uh, so, if you put that air pipe in the bottom, below that layer of rock, you're working against yourself. You're putting air down there where we want anaerobic bacteria, okay? Now, the anaerobic and the aerobic both need the same things. They both need food, and they both basically need the same, same foods. But one is working without air, and, the, and from the layer of rock up, we're working with air. It's the difference between those two that makes an electrical charge and helps that plant. It changes the electrical field in that planting hole, and it makes that tree grow much better. So put that layer, uh, put that air pipe above the rock, and it'll work better for you there. <coughs> Um, the updates will, are in the book and uh, they are they're in here also so uh, if it if the update disagrees, use the update on it <clears throat> okay then we have a full uh, seven and a half hour class okay um, this is this is professionally done and uh, uh, most of the, the talks here I have John Frank who is the owner of International Ag Labs has a couple of um, here too. They're good uh, uh, talks. This is professionally done and edited and uh, so you can uh, put this on and you can turn to any chapter that you want. If you wanted to know about ocean water you can go right there. If you wanted to go the LMY White tree planting you could go right there. If you wanted to know about uh, the Water Canopy greenhouse. You could you could go there. You don't have to watch seven and a half hours. This this one I don't have the rights to. Um, it's a two hundred dollars set, uh, and it's it's very good. But I don't have the rights to that. This one we we do, and so if you want this one, I can't change that price. But if you wanted this one. I can give you this one with it and that would be okay. Okay the garden in the box is $85 normally I think. Okay and it's $65 here. Uh, Refractometer, we're going to use this. Refractometer, we're going to use this right away. This this particular one, now you can get these all the way from pretty cheap to uh, over $4,000. This particular one retails for uh, $119, and if you want one here, I think I have. I think I have a total of four here. Uh, they're $90. If you want one here, you don't need this to tell you whether food is good or not. Uh, you don't. But it'll it'll tell you the bricks reading, uh, but your tongue will tell you if the food is good or not. Your taste buds will tell you that. So. <clears throat> Okay. Oh, weeding tool. This is this is a very interesting tool. This is invented and manufactured by Darren Greenfield, and I'm going to take this off. Now, this is not a not a um, kids tool. Uh, most most weeding tools, you're like this, and your hand gets your your wrist gets very very tired. So it's like this, and it, and this, is, this will cut in all three corners here, all three sides. So you can get very close to, uh, to a plant and weed with it. And it's far easier um, than most weeding tools. This, this is $30. And it's manufactured at Weimar by students there. So you're helping students and, and uh, Darren uh, by doing this. <coughs> OK oh i didn't talk about the sea salt yet this is a two pound package and uh, here at the workshop it's it's fifteen dollars if you order it online it's twenty two dollars there it's fifteen dollars if you order it if you uh, take it home with you here i would like a um, volunteer volunteer come on up (laughs) okay this is a refractometer and we're going to squeeze out a bit of juice onto the lens here and then close it and then you look towards the light uh, to see what's there let's do this let's see i got a knife here someplace now i went to Safeway last night and i got a number of things there that uh, okay so let's do tomatoes that's an easy one Um, And those that are in the green bags are certified organic from Safeway. Those that are in the plain bags are very similar to the certified organic, but not organic. So we end up paying probably about twice as much for the certified organic. Okay, let's start with cherry tomatoes. This is certified organic, let's try it first. Okay, close it up, Mm -hmm. just close it up. Now look through the lens and tell me what you see. What he's looking at will be a round circle. Part of it will be blue and part of it will be white. And then there's a scale alongside of it. And we want to read where the two come together. We want to read what that line says. That gives us our bricks reading. Okay, Uh, where this is, let's see, this was the organic. And it is right about five, right about five, look at that. Okay, now if you'll go into your uh, handout to this page, um, Brick's readings there. Uh, Let's go to tomatoes. There are two sheets of it, so let's go to tomatoes. And what should we be for tomatoes? What do we, what's poor? Poor. Okay. Now what's average? Six. What did this one bricks for? Five. 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 This is an organic tomato. We pay twice as much for it. It's someplace between, it's less than average and a little above four there. Um, this says that good is eight. You need at least seven for a tomato to begin to taste good, and that 12 would be excellent. There. So let's go to, this was the organic one. Okay, this is the non-organic one. That one's three. Okay, non-organic, but it's three. Let's do organic again. Uh, This is the organic, um, just your regular Roma tomato tomato organic there. Okay, so let's see what the organic... Now, uh, we should be organic because it eliminates the poisons. Um, But I'm showing you that we're going to need far more than organic if we're going to get good food. What do we have, Eric? OK, 3.9. Uh, where are we? We're less than poor for organic. OK, that was the organic. OK, now we're going to a non-organic. 3.8. OK, what was the last one? 3. 3.9. 3.9. So no difference between organic and non-organic. No difference. No difference. Why did we pay twice the price for the organic? Pesticide. You see, Pesticide, yes. Yes, and that's important. But as far as nutrient value, we're not getting it. Okay, uh, organic, just a large tomato, just a large slicing tomato. Okay, what are we measuring? We're measuring the density uh, of the nutrients in that plant juice. Um, uh, Usually that, that density uh, is equated with higher nutrient value um, there. <clears throat> okay, this is 4.5. We got a higher nutrient value off the non-organic there than we did the organic. Okay, now these tomatoes are interesting. They're called... Uh, well, they're called... Um, this is the organic. On the vine. Yeah. On the vine. Tomatoes on the vine. And it used to be that they'd advertised ripen on the vine. Well, they were picked green as everything. Uh, And while they were traveling to the market, they're gassed in the truck. And then they turn ripe because of the gas, or they turn red because of the gas. So yeah, they were ripened on the vine, but the vine was in the truck. The vine was in the truck. (laughs) (laughs) They've changed their advertising a little bit. 3.4, less than... poor even. Yeah, Organic. Okay, let's go to the non-organic and see if we have anything different there. 3.8, the other one's 3.4, right? So again, the non-organic is a little better. It's still below poor. Let's go to uh, The top of this page where it says honeydew, there, honeydew melons, there. Um, and uh, hang on just a minute here. Um, I gave a seminar at somebody's house down the Central Valley. And um, uh, Dan Hutton, who is here someplace in the building today, uh, had. Voice is coming voices not coming through. Uh, I gave uh, I gave this seminar down in the Central Valley at somebody's house. Um, anyway, Dan was uh, uh, he was a hard customer because he his degree in college was agriculture, and uh, I kept telling him he tell, kept telling me he wasn't getting the results that he wants. Now he's been a professional farmer. He's close to my age. Um, been a professional farmer for a lot of years there. And he didn't want to try this, these ideas there, particularly the ocean water salts. He didn't like that idea at all. But anyway, I finally convinced him that he ought to try it at least, to, you know, on uh, on a small basis there. Uh, <clears throat> so he grew honeydew uh, melons and what's it say uh, an excellent is on there what's the top of the 14 okay and dan called me up and he was so excited he said i'm getting honeydew melons at 15 16 and 17 there and i said well hey i'm having this little seminar it's not too terribly far from your house he said i'll be there and i'll bring some melons so there are about 35 people in that group and so we cut up Uh, Some melons and passed it around to people there. There were three people in that group that said, Nah, I don't like honeydew melons there. All three of those people said, Oh, I could like honeydew melons and taste that. Yes, yes. And everybody, I think, there agreed that it was absolutely the best honeydew melon that they'd ever uh, tasted. Now, we regularly get honeydews at 15, 16, And 17, we had some in our own garden this year um, that way. Anyway, off the scale, uh, and you can do that in your own garden. Uh, It does take complete nutrition and some of the ocean water uh, there to have that uh, grape flavor there. Okay, let's try try a grape, see if we've got anything better here. What's it say uh, a table grape should be? Between 8 and 20, okay. 16. Good to 16, okay, let's see what we've got there, awesome. 22.2, or 22.4, actually. 22.4. <laughs> and I tasted it and it's good, it's sweet. Um, uh, Eric says it's it to be that the grape is more ripe than the other fruit. If we had green fruit it would not be as sweet, um, but it's the variety that has more to do with it there. Okay, let's try this little tangerine here. Oh, it's getting me. Getting you, yeah. Sorry, Eric. Okay, let's try that. Okay, what is a tangerine or orange on there? Average is 12, and we were 11.2. So we're about average there. Again, that's just a grocery store um, thing there. Uh, Thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. Okay, we want to get into year round gardening, the Omega Greenhouse, do it yourself backyard. Greenhouse and greenhouse greenhouse combo, simple hoop houses, and then the water canopy greenhouse. So we want to get into all of these things. I was up in the uh, UP Upper Peninsula of, of Michigan, and uh, giving a seminar up there. Uh, and the place where I was giving the seminar, um, the first uh, the first day that we were there, we. This is a workshop, so we have some PowerPoint like this inside, and then we go outside and actually do what we're talking about. So we went out and we planted a bunch of plants there. And frost was supposed to come in that night, and it did. But we covered all those plants with five-gallon buckets so they wouldn't get frosted. Next morning, sure enough, everything was uh, frosted out, but our plants were protected. That was the last frost of the season uh, there. <clears throat> so that kind of gives you a, an idea there. Now. Uh, There were two different men in that audience. Uh, Both were doing the same thing, not knowing that each other was doing this. They were both eating out of their gardens. They were both um, eating uh, carrots and beets and turnips and, you know, root type of vegetables out of their garden. Uh, And hey, that ground freezes five, six feet deep there. Uh, So how did they do that? If if your ground is frozen, you can't dig a carrot out of it. Uh, What they did, both of these men were doing the same thing. They would grow those things in in the summertime, okay? So you've got to grow a winter garden in the summer and some into the fall. Now they have a short growing season compared to us here. Before the hard frost when it's when you get the first little frost before the ground freezes uh, You cover that area with maybe this much leaves dry leaves or dry straw Not hay. Hay is full of weed seeds, okay? So dry straw or dry leaves you cover that whole area, then you cover it with a tarp that's waterproof, okay? And now you put bricks around the edge or something so that it doesn't fly away in the next wind. And now the winter comes, and the snow comes. And uh, as long as you keep it dry, uh, you see there's, there's heat in the ground. Um, and um, the, the surface of the ground will heat up and cool down the most. And then a little less and a little less and a little less as we go down. To about five and a half feet deep. From five and a half feet deep down, the ground is at a constant temperature. Now, uh, up there, I think it was probably about 52 degrees or so, constant temperature there. So, as long as we've got this insulating layer above and no water coming in, we get water and it, it destroys the insulation, okay? So now, you, now it's winter and snow is this deep out there, you go out and you get rid of the s- snow, shovel it off, pick up that tarp and you dig down and the ground is not frozen and you can have carrots and beets and vegetables all winter long out of that. Both of these men were just finishing up last year's crop as the first frost was coming in here, okay? The only way you can get into the soil is if it's not frozen. If it's frozen, you're out of luck. There, so uh, so that layer of insulation is what did it. It was just straw or leaves, and then covered over so no water would get in there, and and you could do that. Now that's. Um, the previous winter, they had temperatures, they had a week, I think, where every day the temperature was 30 degrees below or lower for a whole week there. Um, as I drove around through that part of the country, I saw lots of trees that were supposedly native to that area that had been killed by, by the previous year's uh, frost. So uh, you, you can have some pretty good, good mm-hmm. results though, if you do it right. Okay, so let's go on to um, the Omega greenhouse. Don't know if I have... Okay, Omega greenhouse. Okay, this uh, this avoids the typical greenhouse problems. What are they? Sun comes up and it gets too hot, right? You walk into a greenhouse, doesn't matter if it's the middle of winter, it's too hot. You park your car or truck in the parking lot in the middle of winter, uh, it's a sunny day and you come back, and it's hot, right? That's because of the greenhouse principle. The sun comes in, light comes in, strikes something, and it turns to uh, heat. The heat energy can't escape as fast as the light can come in, and we have that buildup. Um, in the Mayago greenhouse at, at my house, um, the day before we left, we had a sunny day, and I went out there, and it was 120 degrees at the top of the greenhouse. Now, I have it arranged so that we catch that heat and use it. But, <coughs> but we use that principle. OK. Um, so it's too hot when the sun shines. It's too cold. As soon as the sun goes down, the temperature drops to almost the outside temperature, just a few degrees above the outside temperature. Why? Because this is not insulated. See? we just Even if you have double pane or whatever, um, your heat is just going out there. It's a tremendous energy waster in heating and cooling. And then we have a uh, buildup of chemical fertilizers and salts in the soil, and a buildup of mold and diseases uh, from too much humidity. So we have all these problems in a normal greenhouse there. A matter of fact, as you're driving through the country, uh, when you see greenhouses, big or small, uh, observe, and you'll find that most greenhouses are empty. They're used as extra storage. Too many, too many problems for that. Um, so let's go on. OK, this is designed and engineered to be warm, uh, warm growing house in the winter, and it's designed to be cool in the summer. It's extremely strong. It'll withstand winds up to 90 miles an hour. Uh, holds forty pound snow load per square foot, and could easily that could easily be increased uh, if we need to for s- extreme conditions it's lightweight uh, the side and roof panels are easily taken down and stored for summer just as easily reassembled uh, when uh, cold weather threatens okay now there is a um, uh, an Omega greenhouse on the left uh, <coughs> And then this is just simple hoop house here. Okay, So we create a three-foot deep area for the entire floor of the greenhouse. In other words, we are doing the Ellen White planting method in that greenhouse. So if we're digging down three feet deep, that's the perfect time uh, to install uh, uh, air circulating system so that we put the heat. We're going to take that 120 degree heat, We're going to put it down into the ground, okay? And it's going to come up at night and on cold and overcast days there. We put a gopher wire in the whole thing so that we don't have gophers in there, and you don't want gophers or or any type of mice in there. Uh, We line the side with foam insulation. This is foam insulation that will not absorb any water. If it is going to absorb water, you're going to lose the insulation value of that. So, we put that on the inside. If we put it on the outside, then mice and other critters will come in and chew it. And uh, even the chickens will come up and uh, put a hole in it. Okay, we line the hole with foam insulation board supported with either cement block, wall, wood, or hardy board. Uh, we staple the cloth to the outside of the wood in order to deter insul- uh, rodents. Line the walls with insulating foam and fill the soil in, in layers um, in the Ellen White Planting Method. That's We're going to go through that tomorrow, and you've got, got it in your, your handout also here. Okay, there's the Ellen White Planting Method. It's in your handout, and you want to use those different layers. This, this layer and this layer are almost identical. This is your layer of gravel in here. Above that, you want to put that air pipe. You want to put maybe a loose rock on either end, so that air is down here, but you don't. But you want it to be able to get into the um, soil there. Okay. This is an area of just plain topsoil here. Now the tree is going to go on top here, and this soil and this soil is very similar. We have a uh, for the tree. We have a uh, tree guard. Then we have a layer of of. Uh, Of minerals here and compost and then this is a mulch there. Okay, we'll go through that um, tomorrow but let's go on here. Okay, um, a four inch or even a three inch French drain pipe is placed on that layer of gravel. and goes back and forth uh, about two feet apart and uh, one end we're going to take that and go right to the very top of the greenhouse because that's where hot air is going to go, right? 120 degrees up there. Uh, Summertime, it'll easily get to 160 degrees there. So one goes up. The other end, after it goes through the pipe, comes out to the opposite end of the greenhouse, a few inches above ground level, Okay, Means you've got to tie something around the top of it so as you're working on this greenhouse, you don't get dirt in there, because then then it would clog it up there. Okay, this will provide heating and cooling, uh, and air to the roots and the microbes. Remember, the more air we get to our plant roots without drying it out, the faster those plants are going to grow. Okay, here is an example. This one was built in Brownsville, California. And this was a big hole here. It was dug out with the tractors. Then the foundation went in. Here's one end of that pipe. This one is going to go clear to the very top. Here's the other end of the pipe right over there. Um, so air is going to go down through that. OK. Now, make sure that you measure exactly. If you were to get one of these, the factory will give you the exact measurement to the inch and the eighth of an inch even. Make sure that it's, it is done right there. Also, as you uh, work on this, now this has all been filled in. This is three foot deep soil here. When you do that, make sure you put down plywood, something so that you don't um, compact that soil. Right? We go to a lot of trouble to get air into that soil and make it light. Don't walk on it. It's going to compact that soil. Okay. Here we're putting the sides up. Um, And there's one. Let's see. That's the one in my uh, yard there. (coughs) Okay. Now let's talk about another principle here. Okay, before, before the plug. in the past history of this world, uh, there was a time when everything grew much bigger and much more vigorous and without disease. Uh, now, uh, today, this is a six-foot-tall man. And let's say that we made him a twelve-foot-tall man. This is a twelve-foot-tall man over there. But we only doubled his weight. He'd be the skinniest, ugliest, stick man on earth. Okay? So we have to do the math, and we know we can do that. And when we know, see, we're told that Adam was more than twice the height of men today and well proportioned. So when we make this twice as tall and well proportioned, we end up uh, with a man that weighs more than 2,000 pounds. More than 2,000 pounds. That's, that's ten times what a big man weighs today, right? On the side of Mount Ararat, a tomb was discovered. It's called Noah's tomb. We don't know whether that's Noah or not. We do know that the man in that tomb was 12 feet tall and well proportioned. It was probably Noah or one of his sons there, somebody from before uh, the flood there. Uh, This shows a shocking difference between the size and proportion of men before the flood and men today. Uh, Everything grew healthier, more vigorous, and without disease. Is it possible? Is it possible that if we created some of those conditions that existed before the flood, uh, that we could recapture some of these benefits today? Uh, this is another interesting one. Uh, this is uh, by proportion. This is this is drawn as Noah's Ark, 515 feet long. That's taken right out of the Bible, from the books of Moses. Um, and today, the largest tree that we have is 379 feet tall. This is a tree uh, over in the Coast Grove and um, redwood tree in Northern California. Um, That's the largest tree that we know of. Beautiful tree. I've been there and seen it there. Uh, Before the flood, it said, trees many times bigger there. Uh, This tree is so huge here, I have no idea whether this is true or not. But Noah could have cut one tree down and made the the ark out of it. All right. Oh, uh, this is a. A 24-foot long, uh, let's call that a double-wide mobile home or 24-foot wide uh, home there. That gives you proportion there. Tremendous, tremendous difference here. This is just 51 feet tall here, 515 feet long there. All right, we're going to look at this shade tree. Um, this is this is what a big shade tree would look like today, 85 feet tall. Uh, <coughs> This would be a shade tree that would cover about an acre, and this is what trees grew like before the flood. Here's that same 24-foot wide uh, home, and there's a 6-foot man uh, alongside in there. The Water Canopy Greenhouse. Then God said, I'm going to Genesis 1, 6, and 7, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which are above the firmament, and it was so. Uh, There's no water above the firmament today. There might be a little bit in the air, but there's none above the firmament. All of these things fit together perfectly. Uh, Does it rain when it's high pressure or low low pressure? Low pressure. Uh, If we had a layer of water above the air and it Encircles the whole earth and We have gravity it would press down on our atmosphere So the whole world would be in high pressure constantly Would it be able to rain or not? Couldn't rain. See those wise men before the flood they said This old man, Noah, he's out of his mind. It's it's impossible to rain. They were absolutely right. They just didn't count on God dropping that water canopy uh, there. (coughs) Uh, Okay, so we have worked on this. This is one of my favorite um, subjects. we worked on this to make it... (coughs) to make that water canopy uh, a reality. We now have uh, actual uh, architectural drawings that we can build this from. There, let's see. Okay. this is a concept here. Let's say the dream is that we would eventually build houses with water canopies attached. Um, Hot water and hot air go up, cold drops. So this would be the south side of the house where the sun is shining. And so, as this heats up, the water goes up and it empties into a big tank on the north wall of the greenhouse. That means that the, the coldest water in the bottom of the tank now goes over here, and you don't need any pumps, just the sun will make that go around. Don't need any pumps at all. This is the, the uh, ground prepared the Ellen White method, here's the layer of Uh, rock, and here's the air pipe above that. Um, uh, There there are all kinds of benefits that could be had with this. Let's see if we have anything else here. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Nance Bend is at Tennessee, Western Tennessee. (coughs) Um, One of these was built. The soil temperature there at a depth of six feet, pretty constant at 55 degrees. There, here you can see uh, snow on the outside, and it was, this was Calvin Dents' greenhouse, one of them. Um, and the uh, coldest that ever got inside was about 42 degrees, I think. Uh, as soon as I realized or found out that he was building this, I called him, made friends with him on the phone, and I would keep record, I would call him at least every six months. And talk to him and say, what about this? What's happening? And I would keep records uh, on this. This is uh, 37 feet across. Uh, You can see that it is not in a good area. There's lots of shade on that greenhouse. When you make a greenhouse, put it where you're going to have sunlight, okay? Another thing is that he didn't put any covering above the water. Tried to get him to do that, and he said, oh, can't do that. This is a foot deep of water there. Well, Um, Leaves would drop in there. Occasionally some ducks would come in and swim. (laughs) So that had to be cleaned out every now and then. And here's a picture of the inside. Um, And, oh, I was in uh, Honduras and somebody got me some wonderful papayas, non-GMO. And just some of the sweetest papayas I'd ever eaten. So this was a few years ago, and I did what you're not supposed to do. I dried some of that seed, and I brought it home in my pocket. (laughs) You can't do that today. You wouldn't get away with it there. But I sent Dr. Dent some of it, and he planted these uh, little peat pots with it in January. He put some on the back of his refrigerator. It's a little warmer inside, on the back of the refrigerator. When it got warm enough, he planted three in the greenhouse, and he planted 10 in the outside garden. I called him in June and said, hey, Calvin, how are those papaya plants doing? He said, oh, they're doing well. He said, put three in the greenhouse and put ten outside. And he started to tell me about the ten outside. They were all up about this high and they were good color and he was so pleased with them. Said, no, Calvin, tell me about the three you put in the greenhouse. Oh, he said, they're each six and seven feet tall and covered with 72 little green papayas. You can see them in here. Just 72 little green papayas there. Uh, again, a tremendous difference in growth there. And we can get that, we've done that, we've done a number of different experiments, and we can, we can do that uh, again here. Okay. Uh, now, that water canopy greenhouse you just saw, um, it was hard to clean. Uh, and uh, Dr. Jentz had to get up there and sweep it out and hose it out and whatever, so often. Uh, and he just had plain cheap plastic, clear plastic up there, held up by cement wire, you know, stuff we put in a concrete driveway there. So he had that stapled up there, and of course that would be hard to clean. One time he said he decided to use uh, colloidal silver with the idea that it would, um, that maybe that would take care of the algae. And so when he put that in, everything turned bright red. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, so he decided to build another one. This one was out of brick, uh, cement block. And now he went and salvaged some big sheets of plastic from a store that they were uh, tearing down in town. And so he would take these big uh, uh, sheets of glass, actually, and it would have to go here and half here and half there and half here and half there, you see, and put them there just right. Uh, Again, he put a big piece of plastic now on the bottom of that and then up over the top, and now he filled that with with water. Well, this time, because of the glass, he only put four inches of water, not a foot like he had before, only four inches of water. Still worked, did not work quite as well as when we had a foot of water in it. (coughs) Uh, Now, when he was well into his 80s, he was up there cleaning it, and you see you've got three little windows on the side, and on the far side, the whole thing opens up as a big door there. Also on the far side, he had a big, um, had piano uh, hinges hooked to a big board, and so he could unhook those and drop that, and for a few minutes he had a Niagara Falls dropping off the other side, and then because this is nice and, and, and smooth, it was much easier to clean get up there and just hose it down there well but he had to walk on these boards right that he had up there one day well into his 80s later 80s he was walking up there cleaning and he slipped and he fell and he fell through broke the glass Um, he he was um, uh, believed in natural methods and he didn't break any bones he fell into the into the soil down below, but he got up, brushed himself off and said, boy, I can't do this, cannot do this anymore, and took that out of there, took all the glass out, took all the water out, and then he did a polycarbonate, which was, you know, this type of a greenhouse. Now, polycarbonate greenhouses are what the most expensive greenhouses are made of today. Then he called me uh, in the summertime and said, Lynn, I can't believe this said, um, it's 160 degrees in here, and all those windows are open, and the door on the lower end is is wide open, and this thing is half sunk into the ground. You can see how it's sunk into the ground. He thought, well, that'll help to moderate the temperature. He said, it's 160 degrees in here. Okay, you people who have greenhouses now, you're shaking your head, yeah, yeah, 160 degrees there because of the greenhouse principle. So. Anyway, um, uh, then in the winter he called me back um, and um, at that time he said, Lynn, I, I'm losing my mind, I, he said, when I left that greenhouse last night I was sure that I had closed everything up tight. He said, I came back this morning and everything was dead. Everything had been frozen overnight. See. Previously, 42 degrees was the lowest temperature it ever got in his greenhouse. He was used to the water protecting him. Now, uh, with that water gone, uh, everything died uh, in there. This media was brought to you by AudioVerse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about AudioVerse,